Welcome to Scripture in Black and White. I'm Bobby Harrington. I'm with my friend Anthony Walker. And uh, this is a, a session that we're doing that's actually part two of parents discipling their children. We looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and what it says and how we're to impress God's commands on our children. Uh, hopefully you found it really encouraging in the last session. We want to move actually to a continuation of this teaching from the New Testament. So Anthony, welcome. Yeah. Anything you want to add in this session? Oh man, this is, this is going to be good because uh, as we get into some of this practical teaching and picking back up off we left where we left off, this will help to reinforce uh, just again how important discipling our kids is and even practically what that looks like for parents. Um, New Testament of this, we've dealt with Deuteronomy 6, Old Testament, um, and the expectation of each parent, right? Parents, it is your expectation to disciple your kids uh, and all of the other um, entities are reinforcements, grandparents, reinforcements, the church, reinforcements, small groups, reinforcement. Um, and then we're gonna deal with here in Ephesians chapter six, a New Testament passage uh, that, that gives us another angle on this as well. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 6, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise so that it may be well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And I'm, we're gonna come back to verse four in just a minute. But notice this, Paul after Ephesians five, yeah. talking to husbands and wives yeah. and, and teaching them, okay, this is what God was doing from the beginning to help you understand more about Christ in the church. Paul also in teaching about discipling your kids and children, the importance it is for their obedience, he hearkens back to the commandments, right? He hearkens back to honor your father and mother for this is, well, obeying them, this is right, but honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Isn't that good? Oh, that's beautiful, beautiful. So here's the thing uh, that many, many of us uh, struggle with. Before I became a Christian, I remember thinking this. Uh, it's like, oh, there's all those commands that God has and oh, God's gonna take away all my joy. like. The Bible says all these things I don't want to do, and, and if I do them, then, then my life's not going to be happy. <laughs> like that, that was something like, I don't, I guess it's like, because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Sure. This is before I became a Christian. I wanted to have sex before marriage. I wanted to get drunk and do weed and all that stuff. And I was like, God's going to say no. And uh, the reality is, though, all the things God teaches are for our betterment. Absolutely. As we talked about in a previous session, where we read that uh, description by Sean McDowell. Like if everybody followed the Bible, how good would life be? Right. Well, coming out of that, uh, of course, God's commands are good. And so if children honor their father and mother and follow his commands, that's gonna lead them to the best possible life that they can have. An enjoyable life in God. Uh, honoring. Um, so it's one of the Ten Commandments. So it was a big deal in the Old Testament. I think it's a big deal today. 
I think if we're really honest with ourselves, uh, it's really lacking in our culture. The sense of honor, the, the Hebrew expression means hold weighty. Like there are some people who are weighty and uh, so you treat them with special deference and respect. Uh, it begins in the home where children are taught to honor and obey their father and mother. Mm -hmm. uh, and when parents teach that in the home, they're doing themselves a big favor to teach their children that they should have special respect, pay special attention to, to have a, a, a to, to literally obey their parents because of the role of their parents. But then parents communicate that about grandparents. They should communicate that about teachers. They should communicate that about church leaders, that you teach honor and respect for leadership in a culture. And uh, when we do that, there's tremendous benefit mm. because most people in most leadership positions actually are in those positions for the benefit of our kids. And so if our kids treat them with a deferential attitude, it's going to be part of what, what it says that things would, would go well with you. Mm -hmm. Instead, what's often happening today is that uh, people think that no matter your age, no matter your position, we're all equal. We all should have, e now, now we're all equal in value, yes. but we're all not equal in authority, in knowledge, and in the ability to give guidance. So teaching children to honor their father and mother, even into their old age, uh, becomes important, again, according to scripture. Not that uh, when you become an adult, you don't um, you know, obey your parents because you're an adult you have your own family you've left, but you have a special respect for and care for and attentiveness to your parents according to God because that's, that's good for you and ultimately it's really good for them too. Mm -hmm. uh, old people often feel like people don't care about them and it's super important that their children and grandchildren show that they do care and have that special respect. When, and when, when kids grow up and, and marry well uh, and have their own family, their own kids, and they disciple them well and they become good Christians, that is an honor to their parents. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's an honor to them to be able to look and say, man, they have, they have done what God has commanded and it has been a blessing for them, which in turn is a blessing for parents also. That's exactly right. Okay. Um, so let's get practical, uh, Bobby, as we, we look at, okay, how we work this out. Uh, we've got these commands, we've got these teachings from scripture, um, and we've got our kids now. Uh, let's just lay down the law and let's let that be that. <laughs> is, that, is that how that works? Or? Yeah, that passage you read, fathers do not embitter your children. Yeah. Instead, raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there's, uh, there's, uh, it's interesting that that's put in there. We men tend to be task oriented. Okay. And I know that uh, if we're not careful, we just want to command. We want to command our children, give them instruction without nurturing their souls. You know, uh, Proverbs 22, six says, uh, train up in a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
the Hebrew there can actually be better understood. Train up a child according to his way, and when he is old, he will not abandon it. Well, what is his way? Well, his way would be that each of our children are actually wired differently. Okay. Uh, uh, my daughter is very different than my son. Mm -hmm. And understanding and being in relationship where we're spending time with them, understanding their way helps us to instruct them consistent with how they learn best. Mm. So for example, some children, words of affirmation are a big deal. Other children, it's uh, uh, acts of service. You know, there's a book called Five Love Languages. Yes, yes, uh, yes. <clears throat> and uh, learning the different love languages of our children. No, I'm not saying that in Ephesians 6 they had that concept. Uh, they, they wouldn't have had that. But the idea of, it's not just commandments. It's not just obey me because I tell you and I'm your parent. It, it comes out of a relationship. In fact, we have a formula that, uh, that I always like to teach that I think can be really important in this. As we get to that formula, I want to just underline this as we're passing by as it relates to fathers in particular, as, as, as uh, Paul addresses, we, we can't just command them to grow. We have to nurture them to grow. Um, I, I, I garden, Bobby, and this reminds me of uh, a tomato plant. Uh, tomato plants are actually vines. We've cultivated them to come, become these stalks, but they're really vines. Mm. And because of that, as they begin to grow, they are wandering. They, they lean, they stretch their arms out, they wander. And so you'll see people who grow tomatoes, they'll put a stake next to it and tie that tomato plant, the, the main stem, to the stake to help it to stay straight which helps it down the long run to grow straight and then produce more. Otherwise, it'll be all in the weeds and et cetera. And I think of that as with our kids, um, I, I know the way they should go. You know, yeah. I, I know the way, but as they grow, I have to nurture them into this way. I can't command it. I, I have to be there to kind of support it well, and guide great. it. You know, that's how we do uh, with our kids, and, and as you point out, each one of them is different. Uh, my, my mentor uh, uh, and my father, you know, spiritually, he walked me through that lesson at, because he's an avid gardener. So he walks me through that, and now I see that in my kids. The very dynamic you just broke down, the differences, there are differences between each different yeah, tomato plant. Yeah, There's yeah. differences between how they grow, and you have to tend to them to yeah. know, okay, he needs a little this, this one needs a little this, and it helps them. So, uh, so let's get into these um, kind of guidelines, yeah. this rubric. Okay, so let's go back to uh, what we believe in Deuteronomy chapter six mm -hmm. is the highly relational environment. Uh, Jesus also demonstrated that with his disciples. It's highly relational. So I want to say that what we want to combine is uh, the commands of God, the righteousness of God, mm -hmm. training our children in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So it's, it's, it's God's rules, God's commands, God's righteousness. And we want to maximize that. But we also want to maximize relationship. 
so that our children know we love them, so that our children know we understand them, so that we are engaged with our children at such an intimate level that we can see how the commands of God actually to help apply the commands of God to the way they are uh, in the way they live their lives. So let me, let me uh, just start by talking about combining the two if I can. Okay. Um, so many parents are so busy today that they're not investing relationally in their kids. And uh, I just wanna, as we're, as we're doing this dual advocacy, talk a little bit about time with our kids. You know, some studies are indicating that the average parent in uh, true relational time with their child, it's like just two or three minutes a day. Mm. Because you got mom and dad working, you got the kids going to school, they're taking them here, they're taking them there. So to just, to, to just stop to begin with and realize this combination and the importance of the relationship. So let me dive into it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you um, three formulas that have been studied over time and uh, the results of the formulas, okay. okay? So the first one is rules and a poor relationship lead to rebellion. So it could be rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. Mm. The second one is a relationship without rules leads to recklessness. And so the biblical model is rules, I'm sorry, relationship plus rules leads to righteousness, to righteous living on the part of the child. So let's work through each one of them if we can. So the first one is rules without a relationship. So let's, let's talk about the dynamic there. Um, I experienced some of this when, when I was growing up with my father, he was not that engaged and oftentimes he would just command and he would expect that we would just obey because he commanded it and he was our father. But in the context of no relationship, it literally inside of me uh, made me resent my father. Mm. Now my father and I uh, had a couple of uh, experiences in our lives. We're very close now. Uh, when I was 18, he and I had a really significant thing happen where he asked me to forgive him and I forgave him. And then about five years after that, he became a follower of Jesus and over, we worked together for five years in his trucking company and everything was restored. But I must say that I did experience this kind of uh, exasperation and resentment because it wasn't, it was uh, commands without a relationship. And fathers are more likely to do that with their kids, especially when they're busy. And we always think, I'm just busy for a little while. This is not gonna be long-term but busyness can easily become long-term. Yeah. So we don't want to just give our kids the commands of God. Uh, we, we've got to have that relationship with them. So, so we, don't, we don't, as husbands, fathers, we, we don't come home from work and boom, boom, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, and expect it to be done and then go on out to the shed and work on something else. Yeah. Like we have to have a relationship that is uh, cultivated so that those rules can be better received and executed or, or produces rebellion. 
or it's gonna or it's gonna produce rebellion. Now, uh, this is probably previous generations struggled with this uh, more than others, uh, as we're gonna see that the current generations are are often lacking the teaching that commands and discipling them and training them. And we're gonna talk about how you do that. Okay. Uh, but, but the relationship here is so important. And I think, let's just take a minute, if we can, and talk about relationships. And of course, I'm gonna talk from a father's point of view. Um, Cindy, my wife, was always naturally super relational with the kids. Um, we made a decision when our kids were young that she would stay home to be able to nurture them and help them. And so we were able, we made sacrifices to do it, where she stayed home until the kids entered into junior high. Okay, so she had a lot more relational time with them than I did, um, because it, during the day, you know, I was usually working and things like that. But I knew, I knew the importance of relationship. I read a book called Faith Training by a guy named Joe White when my kids were really small. And in it, he talks about coming home from work and how uh, when he parked the car, he had to say to himself over and over again this expression, the relationship is everything. The relationship is everything. The relationship is everything. So I developed that habit. I'd come home and I'd just remind myself, because uh, sometimes when I, when I would come home, you know, you got hectic stuff going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the early years, I was with my dad's trucking company. I, I was the manager of the whole trucking company and it could get really stressful. And, and you come home and maybe I just want to read a book or I want to tune out because I'm tired. I just got to remember those precious children, when I come home, that's golden time. So for me, what that meant is uh, when I came home, it was focus on the kids. With Chad, it was often playing hockey with them. Mm -hmm. uh, like in the garage, mm -hmm. we would, we would uh, you know, we set it up where we could play hockey or uh, it would be rolling around, uh, uh, you know, on, on the floor with the kids. Uh, Ashley used to like it when I would tickle her. <laughs> so... I would tickle her to go, don't do it, daddy, don't do it. But I know she wanted me to do it, you know, tickling her and uh, um, reading books to them. You've just got to tell yourself again and again and again, the relationship is everything. The relationship is everything. So a couple of real practical things. Uh, try to get up every morning and just have time with the kids. Um, and it can be a short devotional. Uh, it can be... Um, uh, just whatever your family needs to do. We did this thing, we always want to send them out with a prayer. So we'd have a short family prayer. At night, Cindy would lie down on the bed with the kids when they're going to sleep. She'd maybe go over a scripture, but she'd talk to them about the pit and the peak of their day. Mm. And so, you know, just simple things. What was the pit, mm. which is the worst thing uh, today, and what was the peak? And it's kind of like getting a window into their souls. I can remember once Chad was lying down and uh, in our neighborhood, they cut down the trees that day. She goes, what was the, the, the pit of your day? And he says, when they cut down all those trees. <laughs> and it was like, how did we know that little guy was picking up on yeah. that, that they uh, cut down the trees? So it's the awareness. Now for me also with the kids, 
Uh, Ashley was in uh, dance. Uh, she played softball. Uh, and we always prioritize the kids' games. We got to be there with the kids at their games. We do it now with our grandchildren when they're when they're playing soccer or whatever it is, because you want to you want the kids to know you're for them, you're rooting for them all the time. Uh, I loved that uh, I got to coach my son. Uh, for us, it was hockey. Uh, it was also soccer, but to be involved where they knew that I care about their life and I want to nurture their life in the things that they enjoy. Um, you know, as you say that, I've, I've had to reflect over the last few years with, with my kids. Um, my son last year uh, began going to uh, a different school uh, and it, it requires that we take him uh, and it's like 30 minutes away from where we live. And so I'm not by nature a morning person, uh, but that means that I've got to get up every morning. Uh, and and I, I remember, yeah, I remember the first few, the first week of taking him to the school, I, I was, I, I did not have the best attitude, um, but I started to be convicted to think, man, this is the beginning of his day and I don't want to send him with my negative attitude. So I had to, make a shift and then one of the things that kind of turned it around for me was um, not a month into the school year he expressed that that was one of the favorite parts of his day was being able to ride to school with him drive him to school and then when I'm there to pick him up I, he wanted me to be the first in line so I'm their first in line which means I have to sacrifice a chunk of my day sitting in the car but waiting on him but that's a highlight for him. Oh, that's and and that, that shift had to ha happen with me to say, okay, I gotta do this uh, for him. Another shift that uh, happened with me with him is in sports. Um, he played baseball a couple of years, he's played basketball. And in baseball, um, for his first couple of years that he uh, played baseball, I was one of the coaches on the team. So I'm there with them all the time. I'm, they're able to support. But what I appreciated with basketball, I, I'm very involved with him on all of it. But this, these last two seasons, I'm not a coach. I'm not even like one of the parent helpers. I'm literally just in the stands. But I enjoy being a fan of his. Yes. To really say, as you point out, I'm here to support you. Um, and, and, you know, all th those are just two examples, but it, it translates into homework help, you know, that, that kind of stuff as, as young parents, and you remember it too, Bobby, that kind of stuff can be arduous because you've been at work all day, you've been in traffic, you've yeah. been stressed, yeah. and then you got to come home and you got to help with homework. However, listen to us, it is a benefit to them and the relationship which helps you in the rules, helps you with the discipling because you recognize this relationship yeah. is, is everything. Okay, so rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. That's where kids, mm -hmm. that the mom and dad aren't close, they're not engaged, they don't know what's going on, they don't know, and so the children are just gonna rebel. The opposite is one of the things that's happening in a lot of places today, and that's a, and, and I'll explain why culturally there's a weakness right now. Relationship without rules 
leads to recklessness. So this is the kind of thing where parents, instead of seeing that they're authorities who must disciple and instruct their kids, these are parents that want to be friends or buddies with their kids. That's my best friend, my, my kid. Yeah, yeah. And it's like uh, when it's purely relational and when the parents, uh, you know, just make it all about that and their understanding and they don't teach God's laws or they, maybe they don't discipline their children, they let their children get by with stuff, it creates within the child a pattern of, uh, I get to do what I want to do. I get to do what my impulses lead me to do. And it creates a recklessness where there's not a sense of uh, God's holiness, where there's not a sense of the fear of God, where there's not a sense of I've got to do this and I've got to say no to that. Children really need, uh, they, they need the commands of God. They need to be taught uh, what God wants. So let, let's, maybe if we can talk a little bit about that. Is how do you teach your kids the commands of God? Uh, there's a common phrase in, in you know, my family's uh, life and upbringing is, you know, I'm not your friend. I'm, I'm your dad. Ah, that's good. You know, I'm not your friend. I'm your parent. And that helps to remind the kids that I am that authority, right? I am the one that is a provider for you, et cetera, but I'm an authority and, and I'm here to teach you the ways of life, the ways of, of God, but th to teach you and to disciple you to make you the best person uh, that God would have you to be. So that helps to establish. Now we, we have fun, we laugh, we, we, we enjoy, but that reminder of, hey, I'm, I'm dad now. Yeah. And, 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 and we hold that to let them know. And it's no different from uh, David. You know, when David says, we are the sheep of his pastures, yeah. he that has made us and not we ourselves. I understand, and God is the most loving, the most, uh, you know, he extends the most grace and mercy and all of that. But guess what? I'm a sovereign God. That's right. You know, I, and, and here are my expectations. So in, in, in kind, you know, when you talk about practically how you do this, it's those things that you outline with, uh, you know, Cindy and yourself, uh, getting up and walking through the word, studying the word yeah. together, praying together. Uh, but what I like, one of the things you mentioned earlier is that it's not just us teaching you and expecting you, it's us as parents living it out because we've got a hit over us, yeah. you know? So we are, so it is the- I'm children. under God's authority yeah. and I'm teaching you to be under God's authority. Right. And, and, and at the end of the day, we're all under his authority. So it is, hey, we're, we gotta follow the rules. We've gotta follow the commands. And that's what we're training you and discipling you to understand. And as you leave our home, you're still under God's authority. Uh, you know, one of the things that's so funny, my kids, I remember the time my kids said this, and now that my children's children are saying this, and that is when they say, uh, I don't obey you, I obey God. <laughs> They're delineating, you know, there is an authority over you, mom and dad, and it's God, and I obey God. And when you see the, my kids said that to us, and then the, their kids are saying that to them, that, you know, you're communicating the idea that I think is so important. So here's some things that I, I just want to share with parents that we've got to do to do this. You've got to teach your children 
to memorize scripture. Oh, yes. Now, part of the thing in Deuteronomy 6, it was, I mentioned that in the first century, Jewish people had a high percentage who could read and write because of Deuteronomy chapter 6. But I will tell you that uh, to really get God's commands in our minds, to hide them, the older Christians used to say, hide them in our hearts, is we've got to memorize them. So what I had with our children uh, as they started to get old enough is I had a list of 50 scriptures uh, that I wanted them to memorize and we would just work on it regularly. Now, if you're listening to this or watching our podcast, again, I just wanna make a shameless plug for the book, Real Life Theology Conversations, which is a guide for parents. It'll give you the 52 scriptures to have your children memorize and it'll give you a way to do it, uh, you know, as you're leading the kids through family devotionals. Uh, there's another thing that is a part of uh, the Real Life Theology Conversations, and that is uh, Seeds Family Worship. My friend Jason Hauser, who actually had the privilege of discipling in our church, has this national ministry where he takes scripture, uh, word for word scripture, and he puts music to it, and so that uh, when the kids are traveling in the car with you, uh, uh, when you're walking along the road, or when you're at home, you can uh, have these songs in there. Jason made them catchy so that kids can say, you know, they, they learn them. So David says um, that I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so this memorizing it, this instilling of scripture, uh, there's going to be some times in their life that they're not with you as a parent. They're not their own. They may be, you know, just now stepping on their own. But all of these things that you've poured in them and instilled in them, it's going to still be there. There's, yeah. you know, that memory that the, if they hear a tune that sounds familiar to what they learned that to, it, it's going to be there. And, and our prayer and hope and our expectation is that it leads them back to that relationship if they ever wander off. Yeah, I, I used to say, you know, about some teachings like on, say, sexual immorality or, you know, getting drunk or something like that. When, when you're in the, when a child's in the crisis, when they're like, you know, as a teenager in the backseat of a car or, uh, you know, in, in a, a backyard someplace where somebody pulls out, there's no replacement for the fact that in your mind, you know what God says about that. <laughs> and you gotta, we gotta help our kids to hide it in their hearts so that they, they will not sin. Anthony, let me mention two other things uh, before we move on to, to, to the last one. Or actually, I guess that we can. So if rules without a relationship leads to rebellion, uh, rules, I'm sorry, a relationship without rules leads to reckless living, the combination of rules and relationship leading to righteousness is God's, is God's pattern. Now, let me say something about it. There was a book that came out several years ago that summarized all the psychological research with children. Uh, it's called Good Behavior. And uh, all these psychological studies, it was actually a psychiatrist that gave the book to me, all these psychological studies brought together said the exact same thing. Who are the most effective parents? The most effective parents, and this is just secular good behavior, are parents who have 
high rules and high relationship, mm. which is exactly what the Bible prescribes. Right. So when we talk about the formula then, uh, high relationship with God's rules leading to righteousness, we have, we have a perspective that is super important. Our perspective is we are discipling our children for the day when they are adults with their own children. So Gene Stallings was the head football coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide years ago, where they won all these national championships. And in Joe White's book, Faith Training, he tells the story when they were coaches together with the Dallas Cowboys. They were like assistant coaches. And uh, they went out for lunch one day and Joe asked Gene Stallings, uh, what's success for you? They're just friends, you know, what's success? And uh, uh, Gene Stallings says, that's easy. And then he, he, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he wrote down like 34, 32, 29. That's success. And uh, Joe White goes, what do you mean? He said, when my children are 32, 31, and 29, and they're faithfully following Jesus, and they're discipling their children the way I discipled them, then I'm going to feel like I was successful in oh. life. I like that vision. I think it's a biblical vision because we want to disciple our children uh, in the ways of God. But we, we look forward to them uh, with God's vision. Uh, God's vision is that they would grow up and love him and have children who would love him. So the vision has always got to be that we're raising children, not just to, some people say, I just want my kids to get saved. I want my kids to get saved and be faithful disciples of Jesus who are raising faithful disciples yes. of Jesus. Yes. So uh, I really like that vision. So what that means is everything that I do, I'm going to always be thinking uh, God's righteousness, relationship for the long haul. I want my kids to be in church. Church is gonna be really important. Our family is gonna prioritize being at church. And here's one reason why that not enough people are thinking about. I want to prioritize church because when my children leave home, the church is central to God's plan for my children's faithfulness. So if my goal is that my children would be dedicated disciples of Jesus, I've got to train them up while they're young on the priority of church. Amen, amen. And I find that what happens with a lot of parents is and it, it's more the model of relationship without rules leading to recklessness, is that parents don't want to fight with their kids about going to church. They don't want to... Every child, my mom described it this way, every child worth their salt is going to tell you they don't want to go to church, you know, in junior high or high school years. Uh, because it's just, you know, we've got a flesh. And in our flesh, we don't want to... We want to do what we want to do, not what... God wants us to do. But as parents, it's so important that we disciple our children on the priority of church. And we make them go to church when they don't want to go because it's part of what our family does and it's part of our relationship with them and discipling, in discipling them for the future. Amen. Amen. Uh, so with our relationship, with our rules, 
that contributes towards righteousness within the kids. Um, and then the expectation is, as you just pointed out, that they, we will find out that it's successful when they're doing the same thing for their kids. Um, one of my elders, uh, this relates to disciple making. Uh, I was teaching uh, about disciple making uh, in one of our Wednesday night classes. And I just asked, you know, softball question to the class, you know, what is a, what is a disciple maker? What are the marks of a disciple maker? How do you know? And, and one of my elders, he challenged me with this definition. He says, you'll know you made a disciple when the disciple you made makes a disciple. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and it just like, wow. I mean, when you really capture that, it's like, that's deep. And so you'll know that you've done it well when they are discipling the next generation. Yeah, and that's good. what you get to see as yeah. a grandparent. Yeah. Uh, you get to see that, that, that angle that, on it. Hey, Anthony, just a couple of things before we close sure. this last session. Uh, I, I want to encourage parents, especially uh, with children who are five years of age, I'm sorry, uh, around fifth, fifth grade. We need to remember that in the period of, uh, say, um, eight to 12, uh, the way God made us, it's a, it's a period where we are going to be establishing, uh, even as children, our own moral beliefs and values. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of studies have been done, moral development of children, and it's a super important age. So the idea that you train your children in scriptures, uh, you have, uh, uh, the old expression is catechism, which is an expression for teaching, that they have this teaching, and we've talked about the Real Life Theology Conversations book. One of the things that I think uh, is important in our day um, for children, and it, it can be when they're at that age, we can start it, but certainly uh, in the time they're 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, is teaching them Christian evidences and apologetics. Yes. Why we believe what we believe, giving them uh, reasons not just this is what we believe, but we believe this because the evidence backs it up, because um, uh, you know there's good reasons and logic, and and uh, we we walk them through how to deal with science and how to think about evolution, and we actually are teaching our children about that. And the reason I'm saying that is that because our world has changed so much, uh, parents cannot just assume those things. They've got to disciple their children in those things. So you would say, and I, this is kind of deep here, I want to make sure, you would say that something like evidences and apologetics is something you would introduce to teenagers. Oh, absolutely, so absolutely. You don't wait till they no. are adults and late, you know, 40s right. and go back. That's right. This is something you would introduce to teens. That's right. In fact, let me mention uh, a book that I, I would uh, encourage people with. In fact, I'll go ahead and mention two books. Uh, there's a book called Mama Bear Apologetics, and it's written for parents on this. Mama Bear Apologetics. A second book that I'd recommend, just because uh, I believe so strongly in what we're talking about with this formula. Mm -hmm. So the formula I've been talking about, it's in a book that I wrote with my son and Jason Hauser called uh, Dedicated, uh, training your children to trust and follow Jesus. 
It's a Zondervan book. You could buy it on Amazon and it will help you to follow up on these teachings. A lot more things that could be said. Those books hopefully will help parents a lot. Anthony, turning it back to you for any last words. Listen, this, uh, our prayer is that out of this uh, couple of episodes and uh, the video that you've seen, that this will help you uh, as parents uh, and, and, and seeing it from the older parent and, and, and the grandparent, seeing it from a younger parent who, who is also in the mix of this as well. Hopefully we've given you some solid biblical information, but also some practical ways of applying uh, these lessons to your life as parents. And again, uh, as we reiterate, the greatest work that you'll do as a parent is discipling your children in the ways of Christ. We thank you for joining us. We want you to tune in on next time uh, as we deal with more in Scripture in black and white. Thank you for listening to Scripture in Black and White. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Coming up next, Marriage and Divorce in Scripture, Part 1.